Welcome back, peeps. Peeps? Peeps. Yep. No? No. Well, maybe we'll workshop that one. <laughs> um, but hey, guys, sorry we missed a week. Uh, I've actually been in COVID isolation, so it does mean I have to stay home for seven days. But anyway, here we are. And don't worry, I didn't get it. We haven't spread it to anybody no, or no. anything just yet. No, which is good. Yeah. Keep um, contained. Yeah, so I hope you guys didn't miss us too much. I do know at least one person that did. So here we are, we're back, so you can relax now. She can find um, me something to listen to on the drive home, eh? <laughs> yeah. We're back for another episode of Keeping Your House Warm, where we try to find um, outrageous property-related stories that we hope you'll just laugh at, because we definitely are. That's how we keep our sanity here <laughs> um, in this ever-changing uh, property market. Uh, so, Kellen, let's start with a controversial one. Let's start with, yeah, it's probably mm. going to be a hot topic. That's pretty... I think. Whether or not do you smack your kids and yeah, so... what do you use? <laughs> so this story, um, a Queensland woman was put to court and she pleaded guilty uh, for hitting her son with a wooden spoon. Uh, now, before you get all judgmental, uh, you've got to hear the rest of the story. Her son decided to take her credit card and spend around $600 worth of video games without her knowing. But, but before we start, we obviously don't condone using violence to punish your kids. Um, you can do whatever you want. No. At the same yeah. time, yeah. Uh, you know, if you, if you need to send that message across, if they did something wrong. I can yeah. definitely see that. Don't beat them up, basically. Yeah, don't beat them um, up. But, you know, I mean, I know that I personally, as a kid, definitely got the odd smack on a bum, you know? Yeah, same. And I think that was a different time. And I, there is a law now to, you know, protect the kids if the parents are a bit violent in that mm. way. There's a lot of people that are backing this woman. Mostly the, the Facebook comments are saying how ridiculous this sounds because uh, one comment said, if my mother or father was uh, found out when, when this person was a kid mm -mm -mm. they would be in jail <laughs> because <laughs> back then the smacking was regular and it was uh, an effective way yeah, of, just the easiest uh, way to like stamp it out right yeah 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 and it's it's the kid sounds like he was he did a really bad thing yeah we sound a little yeah. bit entitled mm. he just had like he found like he had the right to go out in there and go spend all that money I have yeah. a feeling it's probably Fortnite. Just, I just have the <laughs> sneaking feeling that he just went out there and bought a whole bunch of Fortnite stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that's not really the point of the story. The, the reason why we wanted to talk about this was I was have been seeing in the past um, a lot of sort of the young adults slash youth of New Zealand having that feeling of entitlement. I, I'm not saying it's bad. Um, about owning a house. Mm. And this is a property podcast, so we do have to relate it back to the property world. We can't um, just talk about wooden spoons and people yeah, getting smacked yeah. for the next three weeks. <laughs> no, <laughs> can't do a whole segment. No. Oh. Um, but yes, yeah, so a lot of young people now are feeling like they should be able to own a home or at least afford a home. Mm. But with the, the current climate and all the consequences of COVID, they're feeling like that, that they can't. And a lot of them have been using the media outlets out there to sort of complain a lot mm. without really looking into different solutions. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if that's, you know, it could just be one of those things where they just want to be out there and seen for attention. Yeah. It, 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 is, it, it is a pretty it's, it's tough really hard topic. To, it, it's a hard topic and it's a hard way to yeah. judge that with somebody, right? If you're mm -hmm. just talking to somebody and just go, hey, what's your opinion on owning a home it's like you know they could just be doing it just to try and get a nice bit of screen time right yeah it's always hard to tell that but it is it is fair right it is fair to th that everybody should have have they should always have a roof over their head right that's yeah. that's a basic human thing 
But um, yeah, I think what a lot of these people are doing is that they, they are complaining without really trying to figure out a solution. Mm. Their complaint is that we went and looked at this million dollar house and thought, why can't we afford to live in it? Why can't we afford to live in a million dollar house when we're only working part-time jobs or have barely got any money for ourselves? Like, why is that not fair? Why is it not fair that we can afford this massive house? And I think that's where that entitlement kind of comes in, is that you need to understand that not everybody can afford to be in that situation. Not everybody can afford those million dollar houses, right? And I think it's where a lot of young people are at at the moment is they're not looking at ways to resolve their issues. They have a problem with being able to afford in a house. Their, pro their solution isn't to actually find a way to make it happen. It's to complain about it and then wait for something else to change to make it work for them. Or just keep complaining. Blame, blaming somebody else for their own problems, right? Yeah, essentially that's what I've been hearing. And I have, yeah, like I said, I've, seen, I've been seeing them in mainstream media and um, they've had the chance to talk about their frustrations and I do understand their frustrations because um, it's a very valid thing. Yep. You know, we've been talking on this podcast, we've been talking about how interest rates are too high and inflation is too high. There's a lot of things that are going against someone who's buying a house. And these young people who have probably just come out of uni or still studying obviously won't have that kind of money. And unfortunately, if you don't, if you don't really come from a well-off family, Mm. then you probably will struggle to purchase your first home. But again, yeah. it's not impossible. No. Um, one great example is our main man, Keelan. Mm. So you bought your house at 24 when you were when you turned 24. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I barely turned 24 and I, I was able to get away with purchasing my first home, right? And that was not, I couldn't afford to buy that for me to live in, right? I had to buy that as an investment property. So that's fine, right? The way for me to get my own home is that I'm going to use my investment property in the future to help me buy my own home. That you live in. That I actually live in, yeah. right? So, you know, my solution wasn't to complain about it or go and buy something else or smaller or crappier or out of Auckland. My solution was to, to take an extra step mm. to make this mm. work, right? Yeah. And that's where a lot of people probably would have thrown a lot of shade at this. And that's where probably another part of the the whole atmosphere of New Zealand at the moment is this tall poppy syndrome, yeah. what it's called. It's essentially that everybody thinks that they should be equal. the one at the top. Well, I think, yeah, it's it goes both ways. Everyone should be equal on the same playing field, but also when somebody excels or does well, is that you should put them down for it. Because why do they have the right to succeed when yeah. you don't, right? And I think- um, I do remember when uh, we posted your article about purchasing your house yep. there, there were a few uh less jealous than, ones they were yeah. definitely jealous yeah um it was it was less than it was like less than 100 percent optimistic or positive words from people i definitely heard some uh i i i did sit there and have a good giggle at them because i was like you know what honestly it may not be that a lot of these people understand what's happened and like how it's happened and how it came to be right because i mean they just don't understand the full story and not everybody had thought that you know some people thought oh, he just got big money from mummy and daddy or something like that, you know? And that wasn't the case. That's all my own money. And then that, that kind of relates back into another part is that there was recently an article done on a quite well-off businesswoman in New Zealand. She'd done incredibly well for herself. I think she just cracked a $2 million asset position. And in, she hated the idea. She hated what the internet said about her, what New Zealanders in particular said about her when she cracked that goal. Instead of, you know, congratulating her and saying, you know, good job for all your work, 
they turned around and started attacking her for doing so well. Oh, and so she really, she really wants to move out of New Zealand now because she just can't get what's with this culture here. Why is it that instead of trying to help each other, we've chosen to attack each other instead? And yeah. I don't know where that started either. It just seems to be the, the unfortunate side of New Zealand at the moment is that when you do well, you will be put down for it because people think that you, you've you know had to cheat the system somehow yeah to some degree there will be there will still be people out there who will let their jealousy outshine what should be should oh, be really? done like you know the proper mm. way of doing it is it's in a way yeah congratulate someone for buying a house or um achieving their goal yeah you know it's we should just be encouraging each other and you know just basically being nice being nice people right and that, <laughs> that should always be the case that should always be the case is that new zealanders should always help each other out um, but unfortunately, it's not always the case. And yeah. so I think there is a bit of that poppy mm. syndrome going around, that entitlement and feeling that, you know, just because somebody's yeah. doing better than you, that they should be put down for mm. it. Uh, another, ex I guess it would be called an, as an excuse, they were comparing prices when their parents bought those houses. And again, that would be like 10, 20 years ago. Mm. And house prices always go up over mm -hmm. the years. Every 10 years, I think it doubles. So it's not a fair playing field. There is definitely arguments for and against and like that being comparison, right? But it's like why property is such a good investment is that over the long term, it will always grow. You're going to get money back for it. And no matter what happens, you, you own a section of land. So that land's never going to, at the very least, your land should never devalue because human race is growing. We're getting bigger and we've got the same amount of land. It's that whole same about supply and demand. You've only got so much land to work with, but more people are coming out of the woodwork every day. So there, there are always solutions to that. You know, you can ask for help. You can ask the bank. You can ask us or maybe just a friend who has a lot of properties or even just your parents. But going into that theme, I've been seeing some ads from Kiwi Bank, actually, one of the main banks here in New Zealand, mm. um, where they are promoting their co-own home loan. So that means you... Can a ask a friend, mm -hmm. ask a girlfriend, wife. Well, you, you and your should, wife should be buying your Well, you should get yeah, that. So there's a difference between the co-owned loan and then um, buying a home loan with your partner. So there's two different, they're oh, slightly is. different. Yeah. Okay. So when you're buying it with a partner, then it's just a joint loan together. But co-owning is generally done with somebody other than an immediate relative mm. or an immediate um, spousal partner. So yeah, so that's exactly it. And so instead of complaining, it's trying to look for solutions. If you don't have enough income yourself to support the loan, what if you had a friend in with you? And that's definitely what I've been seeing some young people doing. Um, even some families, they've been doing that together to buy their first home. Is that like the mum, the dad, and maybe the eldest son will go in together and they'll go buy the loan because between the three of them, they've got a nice healthy deposit. They've got a really good joint income of like, you know, 150, 200K to be able to afford a really nice house. And then they're able to really live in a really good house in a really decent area. And it's not, um, they're not feeling like they're weighed down by an overly priced mortgage. Yeah. And over the years, if one party does want to leave or sell their half, hopefully by that stage, you, the other person would have enough income to pay them out. Yep, or some, you know, someone else can buy it. I did know someone who had a family of three and each of their children had kids. So they were in a pretty good position. So mm. what this mom and dad did was get their entire family to chip in this multi-million dollar house that sat in the middle of Ponsonby. Amazing house, three stories, 
It even had an elevator. Mm -hmm. But it worked for them because they could each get a home loan, chuck it together, and they lived in their own separate floors. Yep. Each one of them had their own floors. Yep, yeah, yeah. I think I had um, my my brother. He, him and his friends, they all did. So I think there's about six of them all up. They bought a three-level house down in Wellington. And then what they did was they just renovated each floor to be its own unit. So then each floor had its own unit and they could still all live together, but in their own completely separate spaces, like, you know, own bathroom, showers, toilets, beds, yeah. the whole thing. And that's it. So it's entirely possible to do. And that's like, that's a solution that people can definitely look to do is it just because you yourself cannot do it it doesn't mean you can't reach out and do it with somebody else um there is definitely some catches to it though that you just need to be careful of because you're buying it with a friend any decisions on the property need to be done 50 50 together yeah so if you want to buy out of the property but your friend can't buy you out you are still stuck in that situation or you need to both agree to sell the property and offload it now because it's 50 50 you, you one person really can't outweigh the other and you know so you always need to make sure you have a lawyer involved to really have a really clear agreement on that kind of situation um, i have read a couple of articles out there from people who are stuck in that they can't get out of it because they want to buy their own home with their partner but they can't get under the first home grant or the first home exceptions because they technically already own a home so they can't buy something new with their partner yeah. and they can't use the equity because they bought it with other people yeah, it's so, so because they've got so they have to share it right yeah. so the solution there generally with owning your own home like that when you co-own a property is that you would otherwise find a way to become separate houses so that you can then both have your own space that you can do with as you please eventually or your end goal with that house is to outright sell it in a few years the goal with those kind of co-owned properties would probably be best not to keep it forever because there's going to be a point where that property is going to weigh you down more than buying properties on your own. Um, and hopefully by then, you've got a lot more equity out of the property. It's appreciated a lot. So you've got a lot more cash in your pocket when you go to buy your actual own home. That's probably one thing a lot of people don't think about. Is yeah, your and this is, again, this is only goal. a start. This is a starting point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a good start. Mm, something can, is better can, than nothing, right? Yeah, and you can go for uh, a house bigger than a one or two bedroom. 100%, yep. That's probably one thing that a lot of young people don't actually consider is when you're paying your rent, your money is just going to pay somebody else's mortgage and in return, you're getting nothing for it, right? So you pay $200 a week for 52 weeks. That's $10,400 a year, mm -hmm. right? That's going out of your bank account and not doing anything for you. But when you own a home, you're putting $10,000 a year into your mortgage at least. You know, you may be putting back more because it costs a little bit more but then you've got more money going into it. Yeah. You're also paying for something which is going to appreciate in value. And you're also paying back a mortgage so that when you go to sell the property, you're gonna get that cash back. Mm. But when you rent, that's it. Your money leaves your bank account and you'll never see it again. It goes to someone else's It goes account. to somebody else's bank account, right? And then they go use that to go buy all their booze because they've had the house for the last 20 years <laughs> and you're paying $800 a week for something like that or $200 a week for the house. Yeah. So if you can afford to own a home, even if the mortgage is going to be a little bit more expensive, very soon you're going to find that that home is going to do a lot more for you than just paying rent because the exit for that house is always going to be to leverage it into the next home or it's going to be to sell it in a few years to buy something on your own or buy something better. 
because that's that's the that's the way I look at it every time. Is my rent at the moment? I'm paying two two fifty a week, and that two two fifty per week is going out of my bank account, and I see nothing for it. Yeah, I pay for it just so I can literally sleep in my bed without getting rained on, and especially going into winter, that's going to get really cold really fast. <laughs> so you know, if there's a way for you to own a property and start paying back a mortgage sooner, do it. There's no reason why you shouldn't, because otherwise your money's just going to be wasted away. Well, Keelan, it's time for that new segment of our show. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of millions. <laughs> uh, we've got a, I think this kind of relates back into what I was just talking about just a second ago, is talking about get, the sooner you get into the property market or the sooner you get into paying back a mortgage, the sooner you can start to see things back for yourself, right? Yeah, essentially you've got that foundation if you get a house however way you can, mm. that is your foundation to get into a house you'd like to have yes. in the future. So, yes, wow, that's a lot of millions. Um, this property is located in Omaha. So before we say anything else, Omaha was sort of built to house a lot of wealthy people. Mm. If you've ever been there, it's about an hour away from Auckland. I'd say so, yep. And yep. it has nothing to do with any relations with World War II. It's just been called Omaha for some reason. Mm. But there is a massive golf course. And like I said, all the houses are multi-million dollar houses. You'd be lucky to find something under uh, something under million, a million. Probably going to just be a boat shed. We'll get into boat sheds a yeah, little bit later. But, <laughs> so this one roof story is talking about a, a mother and son who bought their house back in 2015 for $1.44 million. Nice and cheap. Yeah, so that was about seven years ago. And the they've done a few things, um, but because of just for it sitting there and the, the minor tweaks and they made it look nice basically. Mm. Now the rating valuation is 3.225 million. Little so, under 1.8. Yeah, that's that's a huge increase, which again, prompts me to say, wow, wow. That's, a that's, a, that's a lot of millions. <laughs> that is a huge increase. I think I'm going to like this section. I'm going yeah. like, I'm I'm to like this section. It's, honestly, it's obviously not as high as our previous stories no but it's still a massive it's it's quite a big one for it. they did again they didn't do anything structurally they didn't have to renovate it in in a massive way but it just goes to show that the sooner you get into this or the sooner you yeah. can get into a property the sooner you're going to start to see the rewards yeah. out of it so they literally uh, they bought in a really good area mm. and they just let the market run away with it yep they let the market take care of it and now they've yeah, like I said, added about 1.8 million in seven years to it, mm. which is ridiculous. That is so much money for a house that they only spent 1.4 on. And it's not even central Auckland. It's again, it's far away. It's mm. if you can work from home, then great. But again, nowhere near central Auckland. The area is just specifically for holidaying. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't even look that extreme. Um, I mean, also for some other people living in shoebox apartments, they may think this is super extreme. But like, I mean, to be honest, it's it's just really basic. There's just a nice big island in the middle of a house. Um, they've got a long dining table. Uh, just basically looks like wood paneling on the roof, tiling on the floor, and a deck. And it it doesn't look like yeah, it's not some over the top giant chandelier mansion sitting on top of some massive hill. It's just another house on the street. Yeah, and it's not even facing the beach. No, it's not even, it's, it looks like it's facing back onto um, the marshlands, really. Yeah, or the yeah. Forest. it's probably on 
one of the corners of Omaha. Um, it's, it's quite a big area anyway. But yeah, most of the multi-million dollar houses would sit right next to the golf course mm. or at least one or two blocks away from the beach. And this one doesn't look like it's anywhere near it. Well, it is near it, but obviously not as close as you would. No, not like on the beach, not yeah, on it, yeah. it's near it. But again, it's just location and it's just And it always market. comes back to show that you never, yeah. no matter what you do, there is always going to be your million dollar houses. Mm. There is, no matter how bad the market gets, I feel like you're always, I mean, I feel like I can't say that because I'm just going to have somebody come back and show me and say the worst case scenario and go, ha ha, I told you, <laughs> look at me, I bought this $4 million house for a buck 20. <laughs> You know, but um, it just goes to show that you can't you can't expect things to always end up being in your best favor. You know, you can't expect the house prices are always going to be super low. Mm. There is always going to be your houses which sell for exceptionally high, no matter what the situation is. Well, let, let's go to something a bit more humble. Um, <laughs> humble. Keelan's got a bit of a story for us. <laughs> Humble. Um, yeah, well, I mean, to show you the other end of the spectrum, for those the people- The complete other the end. The complete other end of the spectrum. For those first-time buyers out there who are super interested in an absolute steal, I present to you 5B113 Vincent Street. It's an immaculate 14 square meter with natural light and what I dare to say, the most open-planned bathroom I've ever seen in my life. Holes in the wall, free for you to access the bathroom in cases of emergency. No carpet, so there's nothing for you to drop or spill on, you know, ruin on the floor. I can see an immaculate marble-topped kitchen and views to set you out for about five meters before you head another house. What are you doing? Are you trying house. to sell this? I am. I am trying to sell this house. So if you're interested in your first apartment, this can be sold to you for a little over 43K because that's how much it just sold at auction for yesterday. Uh, 43K, $43,000 is all it took to take this home. Now, to be quite clear to anybody at home who is... um. Wondering what the heck Keelan what the, is up the hell to. I'm talking about is an absolutely tiny studio apartment, slap bang in central Auckland. So, you know, usually apartments these days, um, if they were in good nick, um, studio size, you're probably still looking around three to 400K for the simple fact that you can rent them out quite easily and for a pretty fair rent, like usually three, $400. But the issue with this one is that, um, yeah, there's a lot of holes. There's a lot of holes in the walls. It's um, quite run down. There looks to be black mold in the bathroom sink. The owner just didn't care about this house yeah. as soon as the last tenants left. And it looked like the last tenants left a while ago. It looks like somebody truly just left out. I, I, I would almost say that it looks like they kind of just moved out before COVID. And, yeah. then, and then afterwards, they just left it sitting there. There's no carpet. There's lights hanging down from the ceilings. But, you know, it goes to show that there is still people out there who will even take a risk on a bargain. So like I was doing, I think I was having a little bit of a look at the numbers for this. Like say you spent maybe another 60K renovating it, patch those walls and repaint them. It's not a massive space at 14 square meters. You rent it out for maybe another three, $400 per week. You will still be making a profit yeah. on something like this. Yeah really easily um and the reason why he let it go for forty three thousand dollars was because the ad was even saying that 
anything over a dollar would be good enough. Well, yeah, I think that's what really caught my eye is that, the, yeah, asking offer anything over a dollar. And um, I, I would like to point out to this real estate agent over, uh, Ryan Ryan Bridgman, if he ever listens to this, um, I want to say kudos to you, mate, because he, he took a lot of time with this listing. He tried to make it look, you know, as good as he can. Um, very professional. Very professional. But uh, what Ryan did is he went out and actually wrote a poem uh, he actually went out and wrote a poem about this uh, dusty, dirty, and derelict apartment. Um, honestly, he should be—he should be just getting some like I don't know what's an English award that they give out for best you know, writing. I don't know what they give out to J.K. Rowling or anything like that. You know. Um, All right, give I, us a few. Lines I want to give you a few lines of this because honestly, um, it's one of the best. I think it's the best listing I've ever seen for an apartment. Eh? I think my personal favorite lines here. You'll need equity or cash to own. The banks will say you'll have to do this on your own. The good news is the location is a plus. Just walk out the front door to get on the bus. Just a short stroll to your favorite bar. No need for room to park the car. If you're an investor, then make no mistake, the returns on the offer here will be great. Uh <laughs> Great. Well, first of all, there won't be any buses running around. <laughs> no, to be honest, there'll be no buses. And um, yeah, there's no need to park a car here because it doesn't there come is no car, car park. park. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But you know what? I would say that he did really good. He 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 did he did a really good job on this. For him to get $43,000 for a place that the owner has honestly just given up on is a really good deal. Mm. I did not expect it to go to $43,000. That is a lot of money for a place that needs a lot of work. And plus the building itself is leaking. Yeah, there is damage in the building as well. Yeah. So that So the body corp would cost a lot. A lot of money. Yeah. But you know, for some for, for an investor out there who wants to take a risk, he may just end up flipping this, to be honest. The investor who purchased this most likely will just take it for a flip. But you know, it just goes to show that even if a place looks terrible, there's obviously still demand for there to be like making money. And there's, there's obviously people out there who see the benefit in this. Like just because a house is ugly doesn't mean you can't repaint. It's the whole point of buying a house is you can do whatever the hell you want to it. And nobody can stop you. It's the best part. Yeah. So if a place looks trash, go and fix it. Go buy some new fittings. Go paint the walls. There you go. Boom. Because honestly, I could see myself painting this. A fresh coat of white, new carpet. Easy. There you go. Good to go. But oh, yeah, um, and I mean, coming on to probably another slightly different side of tiny homes or small places, there is a Wellington boat shed or tool shed that looks like has been fully converted. It, it's it's classed as a workman's shed. A workman's shed. So it's still small. Oh, it's that, still that's very the small. point. The point is it's small. Um, but this woman who decided to buy this quite a while ago, she has a family of two and she made it work for herself. She's converted it, this tiny workman's shed into a two-bedroom, full-on kitchen. It kind of looks like, like a, I, mean, I mean, if you imagined a unit, a two-bedroom, you know, apartment unit, and then taken out and put inside of a house, then this is what it would look like. Tiny little 1900 workman's cottage has been fully converted. It's got a really nice big kitchen, open-plan lounge. Bedroom just goes through to an open deck. You've got your full bathroom. It's got a, it's skylights, got a, the whole shebang, eh? Yeah, it's well, cute. It's, it's it's even got a little backyard. Yeah, which I thought was really surprising. And apparently, the estimate for the home is just under a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Seventy square meters, two hundred square meters of land, mm. million dollars. 
Yeah, I, it, lo- it looks like she's done a lot of work to make this work for herself. And she sort of is regretting, you know, she doesn't want to let it go basically because mm-hmm. she has done a lot of work and she has attached herself to this home and that's where her kids, I guess, grew up in, the, in their first years. And it's, she's made it work for however long they've had it for. Mm. It looks really neat and tidy. Yep. And I'm surprised it's, it's going to cost... It's going to cost a you about a about a mil, a mil to go buy this seventy yeah. square meter tiny home. Yeah, um, and it's just outside of uh, Wellington CBD. I looked on the map; it is it literally is just like a bike ride. Um, so that's probably that's why it's going to count for that much. Yeah, yeah, for that kind of a price, eh? And it's it just goes to show there's always going to be something out there for somebody. And I mean, I think this kind of comes back into the whole tiny home thing we were talking about before. Is that yeah, tiny homes are a really good idea, but only if you can get a piece of land to stick them on. Hmm. This is probably one of those exemptions where the banks will actually lend on it because it doesn't come on wheels. This no, thing is sunk no. into the ground. It's almost like a village of worksmen's cottages. Yeah, because it's it's stuck right up to the neighbors. Like, you know, I would yeah. say you've barely got a meter between you and that neighboring house, right? It's It's tiny, but it'll work. It will work. And the banks would happily lend on something like this. No matter how small it is, the fact that you can't pick it up and drive it away mm. makes it perfect for the banks. It honestly looks really cozy and the windows are triple glazed. So you have no issues with warmth and cold. Especially in Wellington. Especially right now <laughs> in winter. Has it sold? No, nah, I think auction is coming up in the next couple of weeks. So this this little house is still actually for sale. So by, it's by tender. You've got until the 16th of June. So if you're willing, uh, if you're in Wellington and you're listening to this and you like a piece of something that is super cozy, go ahead and look for it. The address is 28 Dupa Street, D-U-P-P-A Street in Wellington. But yeah, it's, go for it's it. It's definitely going to be a talking piece. If you own this house, yeah. you're definitely going to be the talk of your friends because yeah, it's it's just um, a really creative use of space. Yes. It's It just goes to show that no matter how small a space can be, you can still make it work for you. Yeah, and just linking back to the start, if you're a young person who, although it is quite expensive. Um, million who, dollars is very expensive. Yeah, just yeah. be encouraged that uh, even if it's a small space for you, mm. it's going to work because this woman made it work for her and her family. I wonder how much she actually paid for this. Um, that's going to take a little bit more investigating. But I, I think if this was before and it literally was just the boat shed, oh, sorry, the workman shed, she probably didn't pay anywhere near a million dollars to try and get that section. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and just from the, like, it's not... It's even, I would say it's got like, you know, better hallways and better layouts than what you would get mm. in an actual apartment. It's probably way more, way more thought out than what it is in some of those new build apartments that you get where it's just slap bang all stuck together in the most convenient way for the builder, yeah. not necessarily for the tenant. Um, so that just goes to show, yeah, it's anything is possible. And I mean, buy this with a friend, come up with 500K each. There you go. I reckon you could probably fit three I've actually sent the listing to a few of my Wellington friends, so please, snap it up. I'd like to actually see this in person if I come and visit you. Oh, honestly, I think I would probably have to hide this from my partner because I feel like she'd just be like, Keelan, go sell your existing home. We're moving down to Wellington and we're going to buy this. <laughs> I don't. It's too cute. It's too cute for me not to, mm. not to try and buy. Right. Well, speaking of outside of Auckland, let's end it with some travel, travel news. Yeah. Um, we might have to come up with a, a segment for this one. So this News Hub article is headlining it as it's the last chance for Kiwis to visit the untouched west coast of New Zealand before the tourists return. Uh, we've talked about this already. Queenstown has opened up their international flights. 
And it does look like a lot of people are coming in. They're ready to yeah. come. Yeah. Uh, I love it how that's that's the 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 tourists are the big baddies here. It's yeah, like, it's you gotta you gotta run from the tourists. <laughs> They're gonna get you. They're gonna buy up all your yeah. stuff. If it was me, I'd say, come on over. Well, it's like, what? yeah, come on over. We, we need the money. But like you see it when tourists do come over, you start to see a lot more rubbish that gets left around. You see just stuff getting abandoned left, right, and center. Not to say all tourists are bad, but, you know, when it's like one in a, one in a hundred and you start to have millions of people coming over, it starts to pile up, right? Um, but yeah, and it looks like they're getting, they're, <laughs> they're warning everybody, take your last chance here to get out and go see some of the West Coast before it all disappears, the tourists. And... I wonder if they will still give us a discount though. Oh, I <laughs> doubt it. Doubt it. You're still gonna have to pay full price, if not more, if not more because there isn't tourists and there yeah. isn't so many of them to spread it off or spread it across. So um, you'll have to wait and see. But yeah, uh, I would say to any of the Aucklanders who have yet to see the rest of the country, take the chance, get out there while you can, while there are plenty of hotel rooms and cars to hire. And it's not to say that you won't be able to do that when we're fully open. It's more like you will probably have to wait or you'd probably have to pay a bit more for your holiday because it would be busy. Mm. Yeah, I think we are the last country to open up anyway. China still hasn't officially opened yeah. yet, but um, yeah, that, otherwise. That is actually quite a big one because a lot of our tourism came from the Asian from countries. China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in particular, yeah, they usually come over in big tourist busts, usually. Mm. But they're expected to, I think the plan for them is to open up later this year, come November. So I think that is probably part of this warning too, is that once bigger countries like that start to open their borders again and have their people leaving freely, then they're going to flock overseas as soon as they can. <laughs> What's the first thing you did when you got out of lockdown? You know, you 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 I went wanted, shopping. You, you went to get the hell out of that house. <laughs> the last thing you wanted to do was step back inside of it. So I think that'll probably be the plan with most of the tourists that come over here mm. is they'll just be trying to get out as far as they can. Yeah, and it's not just the west coast. It, you know, the west coast of New Zealand. Um, does offer uh, you know amazing sites um you can you know you can visit the fox glacier um whatever else is down there i haven't been so i wouldn't know i'd like to i just I, don't have enough leave I'm, I'm one of those aucklanders <laughs> that needs to get out and see the rest of the country before um all the tourists come in i'm one of those guys yeah i need to pack my bags and i need to get out of here so um yeah maybe i'll go see if i can go find some last minute tickets <laughs> yeah, yeah jetstar's got some good deals kicking over these days you reckon book it now when do you think we'll start seeing hordes of, apparently, according to News Hub, the, the big bad tourists? The big bad tourists. I, I'd, I'd give it July. I'll give it July, July. August. Midwinter? No, midwinter. Well, yeah, because I think, I think this is... Ski was, season's already started, so a lot of people started. are already working the skis. Yep. And I think even, I think they're still desperate for, because usually it's American tourists yep, that come over and do the, uh, the winter short-term contracts. Yes. And they usually run out all it. So I think they're still desperate for staff down there to help take care of it. So maybe I'll go on a bit of a sabbatical and- For four months. And go work out of the ski fields. <laughs> no, how am I gonna do this podcast? Oh, we'll have to do it down there. Oh yeah, yeah. on the top of a mountain. Ah, oh, it's a shame, yeah. Well, look at us dreaming. <laughs> Dreams are free, right? Dreams are free. Well, it's a good way to end Unlike it. Thanks, houses. Keelan. Thanks for, thanks for coming in. And, no worries, you know, thank you for been, having me. Yeah, it's great to be back after a week of staying at home a week of hiding away oh it was honestly horrible because i knew that i had to stay home so basically forced to do it but everyone else was out i had massive fomo uh, if you don't know what fomo is it's fear of missing out 
which yeah, is something yeah. most Kiwis yeah. get nowadays. Yeah. On my very last day of isolation, I was like, I was itching to leave. Anyway, so that's <laughs> that'll about do it. Um, if you'd like to send us a little comment or give us some feedback, send us an email. I will put the email link in the description. Yeah. It is keeping your house warm at finax.co.nz. Mm. That's finax, uh, F-I-N-A-X. But you know, we like to know what we can do better for you. What do you like? What do you don't like? We want to make sure we can make this as entertaining as possible. Remember, don't hit your kids. Don't hit your kids. Yeah. Not in public. <laughs> Bye. See ya.